Good morning. I want to look at a couple of words from that last hymn. It uh, it blessed me in a special way, in a couple of ways. That's 86, was that the number, Chad? If you noticed, was it the third verse talked about the truth in its beauty and love in its tenderness. These are the offerings to lay on his shrine. The comparison, the contrast, the last verse ends in these words, Trust for our trembling and hope for our fear. Had a variety of things go through my mind as I was seeking to prepare for this weekend. And... um, We don't think in terms of of cooking when we think of messages, but I'm not sure if you would assess this this morning's message as a casserole or not. Trust that it is to be a blessing, but there's a couple things in, in focus that stood out and, and come forth in, in guiding my thoughts and preparing. In Philippians care to turn there, I'd like to reference some verses there. Philippians 1, it talks about our call to be steadfast, verse 27 and following. There was a thought in verse 28 that stood out to me in in bringing into focus the message for this, this week. As Paul was writing there, he was exhorting them to to experience that steadfastness. And I'm not sure there's a we could spend a lot of time discussing the things that can cause us to not be steadfast as we ought. But here in verse 28, it says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. Last verse of that hymn closed with that thought, trust for our trembling and hope for our fear. We are at the last Sunday of the the year, and is often the case there is that possibility of doing a assessment of where we've come and where how quickly the year has gone, and where we're at and where we're called to go. <clears throat> and um, as it was mentioned in the announcements, the 
the reference to the sharing on the account that the hostages experienced. There was another account given last weekend, I guess it was, that was quite uh, inspiring to listen to on the behalf of one of those that was involved in that being held hostage. Paul says here, and it's on a broader sense than this, but he says, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Isn't it nice not to be afraid? We, we like, we as people, we like to be in a place of security, in a place of protection, a place where we don't feel threatened. And, you know, um, it doesn't matter when the thought of being found uh, unprepared, unprotected, it, it causes us to contemplate a, uh, some people would call it, what is it, the fight and flight response? <laughs> Um, that which is within us to to get out of problems way, get away. Um, And yet God has not called us to a spirit of fear. Neither has he called us, and I praise God for this this morning, that in our steadfastness here, he says in the verse previous here in Philippians 1, he says, only let your conversation or your conduct, let your manner of life be that which becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit. You know, sometimes as parents, parents will tell their children, you you know, you all know how, what to do while we're gone, just, just do it, just behave, be good. Whether we're here with you or whether we're away, do what is expected of you. Now, in the Christian walk, there is that added variable of regeneration, that birth from above, that indwelling of the Spirit, the direction of the Spirit, interacting with our being, drawing us to, to proper function and response and walking in the steps of our Savior. He says that ye may that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In and in nothing, terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. I guess uh, for a title I would simply give it in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Now that is a a bold statement. It's nothing that we can attain on our own apart from the Spirit of God, the Comforter, indwelling us, filling us, um, bringing to our minds as we study and as we uh, learn of the the Word of God to, to draw strength from it. In our lesson this morning, there were some references to passages in Isaiah that are a blessing even to us today, even though they reference God's hand in the midst of the children of Israel and um, bringing them through difficult times. And it is important that even though 
I should have looked up that hymn that references that God's presence, that, that writer was inspired to write that reference to that passage, but then he included the thoughts that God blesses our troubles. He, in our deepest distress, he is there with us. And as, as you've reflected, and I'm not sure how many of you all had opportunity to listen to that account of the hostages' experience, and it's inspiring. And yet, um, someone made a comment in Sunday school about fear, and I thought, well, what if you were there? What if you were there as one of those hostages? What if I were there? And yet I'd like, like us to focus on that which brings that peace and confidence in our lives. And as a result of that, this text verse here in verse 28, that element of fear, many times we, we discover in the lives and hearts of those around us that that haven't chosen to exercise faith in Jesus Christ or to acknowledge God in their lives, there is that evident token of perdition, that, that fearfulness. There is not the evidence of the fruit of faith being born in their hearts and lives. The stability. And I want to say this morning, we rejoice in God's goodness and in those that are able to come out of, of situations like those brothers and sisters did in Haiti. But let us remember that should that have turned out differently, that should not diminish our faith. Let us remember. You know, sometimes... In our limited understanding of our great God, we, we have this idea that we can go to some super center and we can ask of God whatever we will and that he will deliver. And just recently I've heard people discover, discussing there are some shortages on the shelves. Just the simple things that, well, you couldn't even find cracker crumbs <laughs> or crackers to make cracker crumbs <laughs> that they were looking for. And yet it... In our walk of life, our expectations often are, are not met because of our limited understanding of God. And I speak to myself this morning as well. And not that he isn't that super center, but that those needs that the bounties of his riches of glory are only made available to and, and revealed to those who partake of them, who find them through the difficult answers of a close walk with the Lord. Our relationship to him, our dependence on him. You don't have to look very far. To realize this morning that our Lord and Savior and his example as he came to us as a babe and he, he grew in stature and wisdom and in favor with man. 
There was that life from on high revealed time and time again. A life full of, of knowledge of the virtues of the character of God. Able to meet any and all things that were set before him. Jesus stood before the tombs. Thinking of Lazarus. He spoke to the woman at the well. And told her, ye shall never thirst. But if you drink of the water which I give, it shall be a well springing up. Overflowing, filling, covering, washing, a picture of a glorious thing. And when, when we think of Jesus and his life and ministry, was there ever an insufficiency on his part to meet a need that came before him? don't think there ever was. There at one point the disciples when he came down from the mount and they were having the mountain and they were having difficulty uh, delivering meeting a need and Jesus said bring him to me. Bring him to me. There was that connection needed with the heavenly father to be able to overcome to walk through, to endure all things. Sometimes I think that in the abundance of, of things around us, we our understanding, our Doctrine, if you will, can become diluted in, in, a, in a way it's dangerous. Last evening I was, I was meditating on this and I had to think of a song, that contemporary song that some years ago came to, to be known. And it, I think the title is My House is Full. And it has some, ins some real inspiring challenges in it as far as being willing to go out and, and do the work that God has called us to do. But I think part of the lyrics say something about in my, there is peace and contentment in my father's house today. Abundance of things. And yet, that is true. And yet, if it only stays there, There is a sense in which the there's sort of a paradox, but the empty fullness of gluttony. Can you wrap your head around that? Maybe I'm not explaining it right, but the emptiness of an overabundance that's not utilized. Can can overshadow and overcloud us to where our ability to, to apply what Paul is saying here 
In Philippians 1, verse 28 again, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, and ye stand, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. There's a picture in Ezekiel I thought we'd take a little time here this morning with. Ezekiel 37, I'm sure it comes to your mind real quickly, very likely here. But one of the keys to be able to accomplish what Paul was exhorting them to do and that steadfastness, that dependence on God, that aspect of not being fearful. I had to think of that verse in Psalm 119 that says, Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. That focus on the person, the, the word, the, the direction of God and knowing that our love and, and consecration is, is given to him. And in that we find the last part of that verse, it says, and nothing shall offend them. It means to nothing shall cause them to fall. Nothing shall trip them up. Nothing shall um, cause them, you could say, offense. But the other thing that many times when someone is offended or something causes to fall, there is, there is something that comes that can as well include that aspect of fear. Now going back here to Ezekiel 37, we have this account of the valley of the dry bones, and I want to just read these first 10 verses and um, refresh your memories of this account and, and think with you on it. Beginning in verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones, and caused me to pass them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone, and when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. 
Usually when we come upon a scene and we see a display of dry bones, we think of, of history, do we not? We think of something that was before. Something that's time has passed. And yet here we have a very vivid picture of following on, on the heels of chapter 36 where he talks about the coming of the Spirit and, and replacing that stony heart and giving us a heart of flesh and putting that Spirit within us and causing us to walk in His statutes and to keep His judgments and to do them. It says in verse 28 of chapter 36, And ye shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and ye shall be my people, and I will be your God. And nothing terrified by your adversaries. Our source of peace is our confidence in the Almighty. Our confidence in Him, in everything, great or small, easy or difficult. Talks about here in the last part of chapter, the reading I read here in chapter 37, the breath of God. The Old Testament, the, the Ruach of God, the breath of God. We so much need it today, brothers and sisters. We need it continually. That inflow of the Almighty to, to fill us, to direct us. The last part of this text verse talks about in Philippians 1, 28, but to you of salvation and that of God. Our confidence, our trust, our... We commit today, we commit what was done yesterday into His care. We look to Him for strength to face tomorrow and what is before us. And so... <clears throat> When those difficult situations come as those dear men and women faced and they're only a glimpse, I would, I would remind us this morning that they're only a glimpse of those that are suffering for the sake of the gospel around the world. We're just not aware of the others. Many who suffer and are have gone as lambs to the slaughter we're not aware of. We don't come to a knowledge of their experience. Turn to 2 Corinthians. We think of that aspect of the comparison of people that are full of fear versus those that have confidence in their salvation through God. Um, what is the difference? What is necessary to equip us? What are we enjoying? What are we missing? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2 and following. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 3.
few of the thoughts this morning will may lend themselves to a little bit toward the the thinking of you might hear the word ministers of mentioned here a number of times but I, I think it may do well when we think in those terms with the knowledge of the upcoming ordination work as well but I, I would like you to not think that this is just for that perspective but it applies to all the people of God who are who are able to experience his peace and blessing and in nothing terrified by your adversaries verse 2 and following of chapter 3 ye are our epistle written in your our hearts known and read of all men for as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us written not with ink but with the spirit of the living God is the ruach of God is the breath of God powering your print system is that the ink that's in your life writing what you and I are are involved with breaking back in here in the middle of chapter verse 3 but with the spirit of the living God not in the tables of stone but in fleshly tables of the heart this is referring back to that picture we drew from Isaiah 36 and such trust have we through Christ to Godward not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. But if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth. For if that which was, is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. The comparison of the old to the new. The picture of the law versus the the Spirit of God moving and performing miracles in your life and mine. The importance of that presence, continual presence of his direction and leading that in the mundane, in the trivial, in those moments of the unexpected. And, you know, we've, we've used the illustration of, of the hostages a few times here this morning, but there are other things that are very serious. Sometimes we, we may physically be free, but we may be taken captive we may be beginning to be taken captive by error in our hearts and minds. Do you realize that we have that potential apart from the, the keen focus on the Word of God? And there are many voices, and we've been challenged in recent years with the COVID epidemic 
many voices, many prophecies out there being heralded, and yet many of them are mixed with a, a carrier of this world's patriotism, diluted to the point that sometimes we can be tempted to take it in, drink it in, and accept it, not knowing that even though we would say we wouldn't agree with parts of it, it begins to affect our way of thinking. It begins to affect our ability to trust and to confide and to surrender to God in all of life, spiritually as well as physically, to commit, to commit our way and care into his hand. What is it that brings peace and contentment in your heart today? Our relationship is important. I was asked to be a caretaker for a little one this morning and he was not completely content. And as I was using the little book that was given me there, I showed him that picture of that cow and its calf there and made reference to the calf and his mama. And that was the biggest mistake I made this morning because it drew to his mind the source of his comfort. It wasn't long. He could verbalize that pretty well. We got over it and it went okay. But it just, it just struck my mind as I was thinking about the message that we're just like that. But I ask, what, is, what do we long for? What is our mama this morning? Is it our Abba Father? Is that what we're drawn to? Is that what we can't hardly wait to get back to when we feel ourselves growing apart or distanced from that in the presence of that security and peace, then we are equipped to face what life can bring our way. Now in the text verse this morning, in nothing terrified by your adversaries, how do I, how do you, how do we depict the peace of God in our hearts, that contentment, that dependence, that willingness to to lift him up and to, as John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. What is important to set forth before us? Are we ministers of that life giving breath? <clears throat> Turn to Romans chapter 7. I have some verses here. It refers to the aspect of marriage, but in the context of the law and sin. But I want to notice, and we'll take the time to read these first seven, six verses, but notice in verse 6, I'll begin in verse 5. 
For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sins which were by the law did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law, that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the latter. Do you have the that aroma in your mind, that joy in your heart of the newness of the spirit this morning? In the Spanish Bible, it uses the word regimen, the regimen of the spirit. It's a, a word that we don't use much in today's world. We don't, as in our circles, it's a word, word we don't likely understand very well, but it's, it's one that our peace and security comes through being committed and surrendered and under the direction of the Spirit of God. The newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the latter. That deeper that greater understanding and greater equipping than even was attained through the law. Now, if we turn on over just a little bit here, I'll make a few references to the first part of chapter 8. Um, the first four verses here, we can see that message coming through there again. There is therefore now no condemnation, to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That indwelling, that infilling, that constant source of our breath. You know, if we were, I'm not sure how to coin that word on the spot, but the equivalent of a spirit oxygen meter. Some of you all have used them lately. We've just got one recently. To tell you what the oxygen level is in your blood, what would the readings be in your life and mine of the Spirit's presence? The Spirit's concentration and direction. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life, of life, that indication of growth, of vigor, of vitality, in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. You can see the ongoing definition in the following verses there of what denotes the one versus the other. The one minds the flesh, the one minds the spirit. And one is to life and one is death. And the one that walks after death is the one that will be full of fear. That has no, no confidence and trust in God. But rather the one that walks in life can, as Paul said, in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Are we, are we comfortable before God knowing that we don't have so many answers. We don't know how to face so many situations, but that we simply know that we know the Almighty God and we know that we commit our way to Him. When we do that, He brings to us and reveals to us in, in a very real way 
what we must have to continue to walk in joy and peace. Now, thinking about that aspect of being indwelled, the indwelling of that presence within us, 1 Peter is a very good lesson, I think, here for us to consider. We might ask ourselves sometimes the question, why don't I have the answers I think I need at times? Or why am I uncomfortable in certain situations? 1 Peter 4, verses 10 and 11. Peter writes here, As every man has, hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. As every man hath received the gift. There's been a lot of efforts, and I think sometimes more than, than necessary on wrapping paper and bows recently. But this gift, what is it? It's in the context here of, of being filled with that hope, with that assurance, that confidence in God. And Peter is saying, as he is encouraging those that are serving, he says, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. We cannot speak to others about God in any greater way than we've experienced it in our hearts. We cannot speak to others in any greater way by word of testimonies and we've experienced it in our hearts. As every man hath received the gift. What manner of gifts would God will that we receive to be able to minister? To minister basically means to meet a need. To meet the needs of others. Opportunities are all around. And to think of the example of Christ's first miracle there at the wedding. John chapter 2, the wedding in Canaan of Galilee. What was it that Jesus did there at that wedding? Those people that were serving the guests, they were taking them whatever, but we know they ran out of what? Wine. They ran out of wine. They couldn't serve anything that wasn't prepared for them to serve, that wasn't given to them to serve to the guests. And in that very 
similar way, we as well are limited to convey the gospel of Christ beyond any way that we've experienced it. And that is where the blessing is yours and the blessing is mine. As we walk close to the Lord, we seek his face. And our trust is built, our faith is strengthened. And we have treasures from on high to speak of and to to share with others. Yesterday, a man that's come to our place for years as a squirrel hunter, he hadn't been there for a number of years and he came by yesterday and made contact and we were talking about his life and his family and he has a couple, he's an immigrant from back in, he probably immigrated here, I'm not sure, in the 80s. And now he has a couple of his children working for the military, designing engineers. One works in Area 51, if that means anything to some of you. And we were having a general discussion about the times in which we live. And he has a lot of gratitude for the ability to come to this country. And he's talked about that even after all those years. And yet, I told him that can all change. Only a brief glimpse of what man hopes for in a physical way and yet what joy escapes those that must needs trust in the hand of man and nothing terrified by your adversaries May the peace of God be our strength. Yes, it's true. It requires faith. But it is a blessing. It bears a message of hope. And it builds our confidence and our trust in Him. Let us kneel to pray.